Welcome to the study of God's Word with pastor and author Ed Taylor, recorded live from Calvary Chapel in Aurora, Colorado. To learn more about the many resources available through Abounding Grace Media, visit us online at calvaryaurora.org or download our free app on all platforms. And now, here's Pastor Ed to take us into our study. Amen. Amen. Would you open your Bibles to 2 Peter chapter 1? Just launching off into a verse-by-verse study in 2 Peter, we're going to pick up where we left off in verse 12 in a Bible study that I've entitled, Remembering and Relying Upon God's Word. Remembering and Relying Upon His Word. It's easy to forget that the gospel of Jesus Christ is good news. It's not gloomy news. It's not boring news. It's good. It's great it's wonderful, and it's awesome. The gospel of Jesus Christ will release a man and release a woman from the burden of sin. It removes us from the penalty, it removes from us the penalty of sin. And according to Romans chapter 1, verse 16, Paul the apostle declared, I am not ashamed of the gospel of Christ, for it is the power of God to salvation for everyone who believes, for the Jew first and also for the Greek. For in it, the righteousness of God is revealed from faith to faith, as it is written, the just shall live by faith. What that means is today, right now in this moment, by placing your faith in Jesus Christ, a person can have life filled with abundance, a life that pleases God, that honors God, that brings glory to their creator. It means today, if you place your faith in Jesus Christ, your sins, not their sins, not a world's sins, but your sins can be forgiven. Your life can be put on track. Purpose can be renewed and refreshed. You too can be delivered from the bondage and the trap and the addiction of sin. We can have the power of the Holy Spirit to live for God, to obey God, to face anything that comes our way, to to endure to bear up under the load of difficulty, to make progress with our families. I mean, God wants to transform your life. He wants to transform your family. He he desires, and I found this to be true, God desires more for you than you even desire for yourself. Why? Because of the gospel, the declaration that God loves you. Jesus put it best, didn't he? In John chapter 3, verse 16, For God so loved the world that he gave his only begotten son, that whoever believes in him should not perish, but have everlasting life. For God did not send his son into the world to condemn the world. I I know it feels heavy as you begin to consider your own life. I know the word sin feels heavy. As you consider, you go, wait, man, I I know I've made some mistakes in life, but a sinner? I mean, that's kind of heavy. That seems really judgmental. It seems very loveless. Or even there will be those that hear the word sin from a pastor, from a preacher, from a Christian and say, you know, that's just hate. You're lobbing on to me hate as I choose to live my life the way I have the choice to live my life any way I want. Let me just affirm that in your life. You're listening to me right now. You have been given the tremendous choice and privilege to live the life that God has given you any way that you want. You're right. Forgive us if we've ever gotten in your face and said, oh no, you can't live that way. No, you can live that way. But would you trust us 
that there's a right way to live and a wrong way to live? Would you just trust some of us that have gone down a path living the way that we wanted to live, making the choices that we wanted to make, doing things our own way, living in a life where you you know, take it from me personally, not just us, just me. Take it from me. A man that chose to live his life contrary to every good person in my life. All their advice, I didn't take it. All their warnings, I wasn't interested. Oh yeah, and the occasional pastor or preacher that came into my life, I just thought it was a bunch of nonsense. That wasn't for me. You know, religion was for really bad people, and I didn't think I was really that bad, outwardly. But you know, I lived with this inward sense that I was really bad. I knew me. I knew more about me than most people. They only experienced the outward part of me. They only experienced the pain that I might have brought into their life or the things I might have said to them or how I made fun of them or how I stole from them or how I hurt them or was critical or any of the types of behavior that came from my life because I was doing it my way. I was living it according to the way I wanted to. But there was just a line of hurt, broken people in front of me, behind me, to the side, including me. And so it's true, you can live your life however you want to live your life. It's a tremendous privilege that's been given to you. The problem is, is that you can choose the wrong way to live your life. A life of pain and problems and difficulty. Not only in this world, but also in the world to come. You know, there is that sense, isn't there? When you begin to think about your life, that you sense that there's more to this world than what you're experiencing. It's what drives everyone to want a career and make a name for themselves. It's what fuels our celebrity culture. There's gotta be more than this. There's gotta be more than this. And then when you're living a life that kind of serves yourself and only does, and you're like, like for lack of a better term, you're like a god unto yourself, little g. Then you have an internal conflict. There's gotta be more than this. There's gotta be more than this. And so you run after money and then you get all the money you ever wanted and you're like, nah, this is not fulfilling. And you run after fame in whatever context. You don't have to be a Hollywood movie star. You can just be famous on your block. You can be famous in your high school. You could be famous for on a college team. You could be famous to a group of people that really gives you a sense of, look at me, they know me. But then once you get famous, you find out, oh, you know what? People are very fickle. You're only popular when you're popular, you know, and then someone new comes on and there's a new news cycle and there's a new thing. There's always someone new. There's always something new. There's always a new person. And then you go after relationships. You know, if I just get married, you know, if I just get married, that'll solve until you get married and you find out marriages work and it's hard and it's challenging. And so, you know, it wasn't, I I didn't write her the right person. That was my problem. So move on to the next one, move on to the next one, move on to the next. And there's just a, a, a wasteful life. Why? Because you chose to live it your own way. There's a wrong way to live your life, and there's a right way. And you may ask, well, what authority do you say, Ed? What authority do you have, pastor, of what's right and wrong? Well, the authority of God's word. God's word has outlived all of its critics. It's outlived all the philosophers that said it wasn't true. It's outlived all those that have tried to, dis- to destroy it, try to minimize it, try to edit it. The word of God, the gospel, will change your life. As you receive it, 
and you turn away from living life your own way. You know, Jesus said, and I'm sure in your observations, you've seen this to be true. Jesus said that there was a wide road, a wide road and a narrow one. There's a wide gate and a narrow gate. He says in the, in the wide road, the wide gate is filled with everybody doing their own thing. But narrow is the way. It's, it's very few that turn their life toward Jesus Christ. And before we leave today, you that are listening to me right now can turn away from the life you've been living. That really is the answer to all your questions. I don't know what all is going on in your life. I don't know what needs to be repaired. I don't know what changes need to be made, what relationships need to be reconciled. I I don't know any of that. But I do know this. If you turn your life away from your sinful past and your sinful patterns today, you will receive and experience the love of God that will transform your life. The transformation internally happens immediately, but then the rest of your life will be changed. You'll look back at one point in your life and you go, man, that used to be me, but it's not anymore because of the love of God. Peter, this guy Peter, experienced this. Not only do you experience it from an unbeliever to a new believer, to a born-again believer, But he also experienced as a follower of Christ, he failed greatly. And what was it that turned Peter back but the love of God, the sure and steady? You know, the gospel of Jesus Christ is not just for unbelievers. The gospel of Jesus Christ is something that was ongoing in our lives. The good news that God still loves you. Imagine that. He still loves you. That that love hasn't stopped because you failed or you haven't measured up to some, ex- some ideal that you've had or, or some tr- you were at some church and said, live like this, 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 and this. And you're like, man, I can't, even, I can't even do number one, let alone number 10. And so I must be a bad Christian. I must not be doing it right. And let me just say, if you ever think I must not be doing it right, it's probably true. Because let me help you in doing it right. You ready? Here it is. You might want to write this down. Here's how to do Christianity right. Abide in Christ, and he'll abide in you. Just rest in him. The call is from Jesus. He invites you. He invites you to come to him, all you who are weary and heavy laden. (laughs) I'll give you rest, Jesus said. A rest for your soul. Peter experienced the rest for his soul even after great failure. And I want you to notice in verse 12, for this reason, Peter said, I will not be negligent to remind you always of these things, though you know and are established in the present truth. Yes, I think it's right as long as I'm in this tent to stir you up by reminding you, knowing that shortly I must put off my tent just as our Lord Jesus Christ showed me. Moreover, I'll be careful to ensure that you always have a reminder of these things after my decease. Peter was a fisherman, a rough and tumble, blue collar worker, and listened to him as a teacher. He's a teacher. And in the midst of great difficulties, it's just easy to forget the basics. It's easy to forget the basics of knowing 
and relating and abiding in Christ. And as any good teacher would do, Peter uses repetition to get his point across. He says he'll remind us of these things. He says that he'll stir us up by way of reminder. And he says that even after he dies, he's going to make sure he writes it down before he dies so that after he dies, you'll always remember these things. And this little section of scripture has come to pass because Peter's in the presence of the Lord right now and we are still being reminded by him about these glorious things, about what he wrote beforehand in the first part of the chapter, giving all diligence, add to your faith, virtue and knowledge and self-control as we studied last time. That he says in verse 10, remember, be more diligent to make your calling and election sure. Know that you know you're a believer. Repeat it to yourself. Live it out in your life. Because when you live this way, you're not going to stumble. When you live this way, you're not going to veer off into a lifestyle of sin. When you live this way, you won't go backwards. And an entrance will be supplied to, he says, abundantly into the everlasting kingdom. And it's because of this reason I'm, I'm going to keep telling you. I'm going to keep telling you. He says, I know you know this stuff, but I want you to understand it. I want you to remember it. I want you to live it. And I want you to pass it on. And might I say moms and dads, teachers, leaders, pastors, this is a great model to follow in your own life. Anyone that wants to be used in service of the Lord, this is important to know. A key in ministry is to continually remind people of things they already know. And it can be uncomfortable at times. There are those that will come to a congregation like this that we teach through the Bible and, you know, in a real simple way. And, and they'll go, you know what, Pastor, uh, we, we, we're going to another church because we want the meat. You know, you're just, you're too simple. You're not giving me the meat. And I go, Really? Well, what does meat mean to you? Well, you know, you need to throw this word out. And, you know, like there's this sense of, man, simple is too simple for me. But I found over the years that those that think things are too simple have a really messed up life. And they're covering their life because they, well, you know, I'm going to be a student because knowledge puffs up, but love edifies. I mean, if you want to master in anything, master in the agape love of God. Master in serving people in the love that God has shown to you. And don't be afraid to go, oh, I've heard that before. Yeah, that's a good, that's a compliment. <laughs> you might mean, oh yeah, you know, you're just saying the same thing over and over again. Thank you. Thank you, that's true. It, it is the same thing over and over again. You know, God, he wants you to understand is, is sovereign and as glorious and as awesome and, and as powerful as he is, he's made things simple for you. He's made things simple for me. How we can relate to a transcendent God that he would come to our level. I was just reading. Let me read it to you. Would you go over to Philippians? I was just been meditating on this uh, and I read it again this morning uh, in Philippians chapter two. It's, this is amazing. These are amazing truths of how much God loves us and how much he cares for us. Notice back in Philippians chapter two, consider this. Consider it again, if you haven't lately. It says, therefore, if there's any consolation in Christ, this is chapter two, verse one. If there's any comfort of love, 
If there's any fellowship of the Spirit, if there's any affection and mercy, fulfill my joy by being like-minded, having the same love, being of one accord, of one mind. Let nothing be done through selfish ambition or conceit, but in lowliness of mind, let each esteem others better than himself. Let each of you look out not only for his own interests, but also for the interests of others. Let this mind, and this is really, let, look at verse 5. Let this mind be in you, which is also in Christ Jesus, who being in the form of God, did not consider it robbery to be equal with God, but he made himself of no reputation, taking the form of a bondservant and coming in the likeness of men. And being found in appearance as a man, he humbled himself and became obedient to the point of death, even the death of the cross. Therefore God also has highly exalted him and given him the name which is above every name, that at the name of Jesus every knee should bow, and those in heaven, those on earth, and those under the earth, that every tongue should confess that Jesus Christ is Lord, to the glory of God the Father." I'll tell you why I was drawn to this this morning is because recently someone was talking to me about my reputation and that if I have certain friendships in my life, it might stain my reputation. And my heart in response was, you know, this guilt by association was something that happened with Jesus too. Jesus was known to hang out with people that other people didn't hang out with. He expressed love to people that other people turned away from. And I just, that word reputation was stuck in my mind. And I think that word is in the New King James. And so this morning I opened up to this section and now even more so the Lord's going, Ed, there's a part of you, you need to make yourself of no reputation. You, you need to choose in your own life and lifestyle, not only not to worry about your reputation, but to make yourself of no reputation. That's a high call. Because I think we all care about what people think about us to some degree or another. I know I do. I think we all care to some degree about what our reputation is. I think we all care to some degree what people think. But, but Jesus, Paul's saying, look, you want to really have freedom in life? Make yourself of no reputation. I mean, that's a powerful, Lord, make us. Let this, and then it starts out with, let this mind be in you. And it's like, you have to invite the mind of Christ. I mean, we have the mind of Christ, but then you're like, no, let it occur in you. Let it happen in you. Let it be. I can, always, I can just hear Jesus, you just follow me. You know, if the world hated me, it's going to hate you. The world misunderstands me, it'll misunderstand you. And just make yourself of no reputation. It's simplicity that needs to be repeated. Simplicity. Let's master in the simple things. You know, Dr. Karl Barth was one of the most brilliant Christian intellectuals of the 20th century. And he wrote volume after volume after volume. People are still studying Barth today in seminaries around the world. And a reporter was interviewing him once and asked him this question. They asked him if he could summarize what he had written. You know, if, if in everything that he had ever written, could he give us, could, could he give just a summary of what he wanted to get across. And he answered this, and I quote, he said, Jesus loves me, this I know, for the Bible tells me so, end quote. That was the end of this smart man's life. When he summed it all up, 
He goes, you know what? Jesus loves me. I know it because I know the word. And because our minds are so human, so weak, so frail, aging with every moment, we have a tendency to forget the simple things. We have a tendency to forget. And so what does the Lord do? He repeats over and over again. It's important that we say the same things over and over again. That's what the word meditate means. I know meditation gets confused in the world today because the world's way of talking about meditation is to empty yourself, empty yourself, empty yourself, and fill yourself with the universe. But that's not biblical meditation. Biblical meditation is to fill yourself with the word of God and repeat it over and over and over again. It it has the idea of, uh, of the picture of chewing the cud where you would take it in, like an animal would take it in, chew it, swallow it, bring it back up, chew it, swallow it, bring it back to get every single ounce of nutrients that you could possibly get. And what does this do? Notice in verse 12, it establishes you. You are established. The reason I'm repeating things to you, the reason why you hear things over and over again, even in this church, is so that you might be established. There's nothing greater than a life of abiding in Christ. There's nothing greater. You don't attain to anything more than abiding in Christ and living in his rest and knowing that you're hearing from and being led by the Holy Spirit. Because when you're abiding in Christ, wherever you are, that's where the Lord wants you. When you're abiding in Christ, his comfort and strength is with you. When you're abiding in Christ, your, your life is lived in such a way where you know that you know that you're loved and cared for. And notice, it's simplicity will always be under attack. Notice verse 16 now. He says, I'm going to repeat these simple things. I'm going to make sure I'm telling you now. I'm going to tell you, and I'm going to write it down. So after I'm gone, I will always be reminding you. For we did not follow cunningly devised fables when we made known to you the power and the coming of our Lord Jesus Christ. But we were eyewitnesses of his majesty. For we received from God the Father honor, and for he received from God the Father, honor and glory when such a voice came to him from the most excellent glory. This is my beloved son in whom I'm well pleased. And we heard this voice which came from heaven when we were with him on the holy mountain. The ministry of Peter and the apostles was under attack by many false leaders. Remember, Peter wrote his first letter primarily to the pilgrims, to the believers that are scattered because of persecution. Now he's reading, writing his second letter to the same group of people, but now they've got a bigger problem. In the midst of the scattering and the persecution, false teachers, defectors, if you will, men and women that saw opportunity and turned on the real true gospel to take advantage of hurt, weary people. And he's like, look, those guys, they were not there. I was there. We were eyewitnesses. We're not following fables. You know how today, I'm sure you've even met people today where you talk to them about the Bible, you talk to them about your faith, and you go, oh, you don't believe in those fairy tales, do you? And you're like, yeah. However, an accusation like that, given at the wrong day, at the wrong time, could really stumble you. Because things are happening in your life, and you go, I don't know, maybe it is, maybe there are fairy tales. Maybe those accusations are true. Maybe it's just a book that man wrote, and it's not really divine. 
I mean, you got to really guard your heart because those accusations are strong. You have to go back. Now, you and, you and I don't have the same testimony as Peter. We weren't, we, we weren't eyewitnesses. We weren't there. We weren't up on the Mount of Transfiguration, which he's referring to here in Matthew, I think, 17. We weren't there, but I'll tell you what you do have. You are an eyewitness. Maybe you didn't see Jesus yourself. We weren't at the cross. We didn't see him rise again. He didn't make food for us on the side of the Sea of Galilee uh, as he came to encourage us. Uh, Maybe that's not our testimony, but I'll tell you what you do have. You're an eyewitness to your transformed life. You're an eyewitness to your dad's transformed life. You're an eyewitness to the gospel working in people's lives that you saw with your own eyes, your own, you experienced in your own home, you experienced at your own workplace. You yourself have those times in your life where you go, you know what, I know you think these are fairy tales, but let me tell you about a day where I read the scriptures and God spoke to me and it completely changed my life. Now, they may still say, oh, you know, that's not true, it's not fairy tales, but you're an eyewitness. You're doing what, what Peter's doing right here. Hey, we didn't follow fairy tales. We were with him, he says. I was with him. You know, Peter had the advantage. I hung out with him. You know, he is Jesus Christ. I remember, you know, Peter could go on and on, couldn't he? Of all the mistakes that he made, they now are his testimony. Hey, I remember the time, you know, I said, and I, I, everyone would deny him, uh, but, but I was actually the one that denied him. I really did. I failed. You know, I'm looking at everyone. I was so confident. Jesus, you know, even before he died, just when we were hanging out with him, I was so confident. I thought, man, all my friends, they'll just bail on him, but not me. I'll never bail on him. And you know what I did? I bailed on him. I denied him. Can you imagine? My best friend, I denied him. And I thought it was over. I thought it was over. And then when he died alone and I wasn't there, what kind of guy am I? What kind of friend am I? What am I going to do with my life? I just wanted to go back and go fishing. Just go back. It was all dream. I thought, I, you know, I can say, maybe Peter could say this. You know, I thought maybe for a while it wasn't real either. I couldn't live up to it. But then something amazing happened. Jesus rose again from the dead. And he came and talked to me. And he said, it's okay. I love you, Peter. And I have a plan and a purpose for you. Just go and take care of my sheep. And you know, he wasn't even talking about sheep. He was talking about people. And here you and I right now, we're talking about that event. I was an eyewitness. Think about even how you could turn your failures around. And you can talk to someone and go, you know what? Let me tell you my story. I'm an eyewitness of the very transformative power of God in my life. Let me tell you what I know what I experience. Let me share, from, share with you from a position of weakness. I know we look at all our weaknesses, all our failures, everything, and we're like, man, I, I wish it never happened. I do too, but they did happen, and now they have been turned around by God to be, bring, you, bring it about to this day that you are an eyewitness of the power of God. It's not just Peter. You're not following fairy tales. These are not fables. These are true stories of true people. It reminded me, because I think it's on the radio right now, but it reminded me, remember we went through the hall of faith? True story after true story after true story. I mean, it was just boom, boom, boom. Every week, all that seed, every week, even through the time where we weren't open, 
True story, God's faith, God's faithful, God's faithful, God's faithful. All of those guys in the hall of faith, humans like you and me, what were they remembered for? God's faithfulness and their response with faith. That's your story. So next time somebody says, oh, you're just fairy tales, you know, and I know they, I know it's just a defense mechanism as God's been working on them and they got a Christian. It wasn't me that got close to them. You're right there in the office with them. So they're defensive because their lifestyle is such that's hurting and harming them and they know it. And so their go-to, yeah, you're just, oh, that fake stuff. You probably believe in Disney too. So it's another movie, another fairy tale, another fable. You know, in Rome, with all the Greek culture, I mean, they were into fairy tales and fables. I mean, even so, uh, many of those stories are still with us today. He goes, no, you don't get it. This isn't, this isn't, this isn't from, you know, the tablet of Gilgamesh. This isn't Mars Hill. This is God in human flesh who died for you so that you might live eternally with him forever. He says in verse 17, we receive, he received, they were eyewitness of his majesty, not just his humanity, but his majesty. And then he points to the time in Matthew's gospel. Let me, you can jot it down, but in Matthew chapter 17, in verses 1 through 13 is the episode of the transfiguration where it says Jesus took Peter, James, and John up to a high mountain by themselves and he was transfigured before them. His face shone like the sun and his clothes became white as light and then Moses shows up and Elijah shows up and then what does Peter do? Another mistake that he's using. He's like, whoa, why can't we just stay up here forever? Build a couple tents here and we can live up on the mountaintop all by ourselves and just live in the glory of Jesus. Nope. No, that's not where it's at. Where it's at is down with the people. I didn't die. I'm not going to die so you can live on a mountaintop. I'm going to die so you can live in the valleys. I'm going to rise again so you can live victoriously. And it is, what an experience that was. They even heard the voice. They saw the glory the majesty, they heard the voice. I mean, they heard God's voice from heaven. I mean, that's just, we read it because it's in the Bible, you know, we read it all the time, but they heard, they didn't just see the glory, but they heard God's voice from heaven, audibly, out loud. This is my son in whom I'm well pleased. And I think, man, what an experience that was. What an awesome experience it was. And I'm sure Many of us today, we would like an experience like that. I mean, that, that's amazing. I would like a testimony. I heard God's voice from heaven. I would. And I think if we were given the choice today between a great experience on the mountaintop or the Old Testament, the things that you experience in the Old Testament where they all died in faith, not receiving the promise, I think we would choose the experience. I mean, if we were given the choice, hey, a, a week of hardship or a day of experience, like give me experience. If we were given the opportunity, read your Bible every day or live off experience, I'll take experience. If we were given the choice, you know, you can replace your entire prayer life with one glorious experience on the mountaintop. That's all it takes. I think we would probably choose the experience. You know, many ministries have been built around experience and emotion and hyped up you know, emotionalism. 
And so people get real excited because you, you're always tapping the emotions. Don't get me wrong. God taps the emotions. But you got to know the difference between God tapping your emotions and the manipulations of man. So they might take advantage of you. How do you know the difference? You know, because that's a good question. How, okay, Ed, I, I, I do believe God touches the emotions. It's all through the scriptures. But I also know through ministries that exist today, television, all kinds of nonsense, I, I know that man manipulates emotions to make themselves you know, powerful and whatever. Take the money and all that stuff like we were warned against. So how do you know the difference? Verse 19, I'm glad you asked. Because he, sort, he sorts it out. And so we have the prophetic word confirmed, which you do well to heed as a light that shines in a dark place until the day dawns and the morning star rises in your hearts. Knowing this first, that no prophecy of scripture is of any private interpretation for prophecy never came by the will of man, but holy men of God spoke as they were moved by the Holy Spirit. Again, now answering the fables, he says, look, I saw it. I'm an eyewitness, but here's the beauty about experience. The experience was validated by the word of God. The prophetic word confirmed were all the prophecies, all the words speaking of coming Messiah, up to 330 or so prophecies, predictions that were pointing to the coming of Messiah. That prophetic word, God's promises were fulfilled. We have it fulfilled. So that today we ourselves can claim the same promise. Not only do we have the prophetic word fulfilled, but we also have the confidence that the rest of prophecy will also be fulfilled. Because there's not a word of God that hasn't come to pass. There's not a promise of God in his timing that hasn't come to pass. So, would you rather have the prophetic word pointing to a coming event or a present day experience? Well, I think truthfully, personally, we would probably want experience. Who wants to wait thousands of years for God's word to come to pass? They go, oh, come on, Ed, I'm only going to live, you know, I'm only going to live 80 or 90 years. Okay, who wants to live 80 or 90 years waiting for God's word to come to pass, trusting him, abiding in him, waiting, going through pain, suffering, when I can have an experience? Just give it to me all in experience. Peter is telling us, the Holy Spirit is telling us that it's the word of God that will ground you in life. The problem with experiences is all they do is produce a desire for more experience and more experience. We've seen this over the years. But biblically, the Bible says in 1 Corinthians chapter 1, verse 22, for Jews request a sign, Greeks seek after wisdom but we preach Christ crucified. And because the Jews were seeking a sign, this is what preaching Christ crucified did. It says to the Jews, a stumbling block and to the Greeks, foolishness. But to those that are called Jews and Greeks, Christ is the power of God and the wisdom of God. The children of Israel, a great example of this. Experience will not sustain you. Experience will not establish you. Experience is not what is the foundation of your life. Building your life on experience is equivalent to building your life on the sand. It will not sustain. 
the storms of life. It will not sustain the accusations of the enemy. It will not sustain the, the, the accusations from your friends and family that at the wrong time, you know, really at the right time, but at the wrong time in your life, that you're on a weak moment, some accusation pierces your soul because your heart is not guarded by the truths of God's word, the prophetic word that's sure and steadfast. The children of Israel, what? They saw the Red Sea miraculously, they lived with having manna given to them every day. They were given food and preserved for 40 years. They saw God present, present miracles to the, in the wilderness regularly, but they didn't enter into the promised land. That generation didn't enter in because of unbelief. Because it all started when they were told to go into the land and the spies went in. And the spies came back with an emotion. We're afraid. The giants are huge. It's, 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 it's too big for us. And actually, those were truths, but they were given in fearful emotion. And that whole generation, because they listened to them, died in the wilderness. We're taught in the scriptures, faith comes by hearing and hearing by experiences. No, no, no. Hearing by what? The word of God. The Bible says in Mark 13, 31, heaven and earth will pass away, but my words will by no means pass away. And you know, over the years, there's been an emphasis in churches. I mean, a lot of weird stuff have come in the name of Christ in churches. There was that season of holy laughter where guys, oh, 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 holy laughter. It was just so weird. Like it was weird. Anybody looking at it was like, that's, that's wrong. But thousands of people followed those guys. And they're all discouraged now or making it up. Oh no, it was real, but it's not real. But we got a new thing for you. Let's bark like dogs. Jesus name, that's gone. Barking in the spirit laughing in this holy laugh. How about this one? How about we, those are gone. I know they're done. Let's roar like a lion now in the spirit. Well, that's gone. Chirping like a bird. I don't know if that existed, but if it did, it's gone. <laughs> but you know what we got now? There's a whole new phenomenon. I just read an article this morning um, before coming in. Gold dust, gold dust, gold dust. There's gold dust falling from the, no, it's actually not gold dust, it's dirt, because we never clean up there. Like 14 years of dirt up there. There's a shaking here. There'll be stuff falling, but it's not gold dust. But these other gatherings, are like, oh, come for the gold dust, come for the gold dust, come for the gold dust. Uh, if gold dust is falling in your church, collect it. Gold is $2,000 an ounce. Collect it, melt it, and sell it, and send the money to missionaries. But it's not happening. It's fake, but people are all excited. And there was that season years ago, golden, you know, finding gold in your teeth. Yeah, you find gold in your teeth, there's a good chance a dentist put it there. But people get up and get caught up in this stuff. And you can just ask, where is that in the Bible? Well, there's a lot of things not in the Bible. I'll give that to you. But where is that in the Bible? Well, you know, there's a lot of experiences we have that's not in the Bible. Okay, where is that in the Bible? Yeah, but you know, you, know they're, they're, you, got, you got a pulpit. That's not in the Bible. Okay, where is that in the Bible? Just tell me. Just show me. You show me gold dust in the Bible, I'll get rid of the pulpit. By the way, there are teaching platforms in the Bible. You know that. Maybe not with a screen like this, but there are. If they had them, I'm sure they'd use them for the glory of God. 
But just show me where it's in the Bible. Just Maybe not specifically, because there's a lot that we learn by application. Just show me anything that looks like that. Show me a time when Jesus said, come on, everybody, let's get together. Woo-hoo, come on, let's yell, let's bark, let's yell, let's be crazy. And then look, gold dust. Gold dust. No, because Jesus, that's not his character. That's not his nature. He didn't come to hype people up with gold dust. He came to seek and to save the lost. He came to encourage the hurting, comfort the downcast. He came to forgive of sins. He came to give and not to take. He came to serve and not be served. Listen, if you get hooked in with experience, that's exactly what's going to happen to you. You're going to get hooked. And that hook is going to take you, whoever's holding that hook, Whatever false teachers got that hook is going to take you away from, listen, this is what will tie it all together. It's going to take you away from the simplicity of Christ. The simplicity of Christ. As I mentioned earlier, from time to time, someone will come up after a Bible study or send me some email and say, you know, pastor, that message is just too simple. It was just too simple. I need meat. And my heart is always, well, and it depends on what kind of mood I am in that day of how I respond. Because sometimes I do respond strongly. Maybe up here, maybe you come to, you know, that was just simple, simple, simple. Okay, what do you want me to do? Make it complicated? You want me to make the Bible hard to understand? Do do you want to leave here thinking, oh, wow, wow, what a smart guy that's in the pulpit. He's so smart. He knows so many things I don't know. That's the guy. So smart. Look at all the languages he knows and all the things, all the people he reads. Is that what you want? You're in the wrong place. You're in the wrong place. Because I was discipled to keep things simple. And I spent a lot of time and effort and prayer to keep things simple. I was discipled to teach the Bible and occasionally quote men. And that's what I'm committed to do. I was not discipled to teach men and maybe mention the Bible every now and then because it's power in the gospel. The power is in the gospel. The good news that Jesus Christ can change your life. And so, you know, I want you to leave here not great pastor, great preacher, great teacher, I want you to leave here. I want you to turn the radio off or flip off. You, you, no, don't flip off anybody. Turn off <laughs> YouTube. And <laughs> I just want you to, to leave here. Not great teacher. I want you to leave here. Great God. He is exalted. It's his majesty. And experience him. Experience him. So Father, we thank you for the truths of your word and uh, the glory of your, of your prophetic word confirmed. We can not only rely upon your word, but we can remember it. We can remember it and rely upon it. And so God, help us to stay simple. We know that you are transcendent and you are profound and you are awesome in every sense of the word awe. But you condescended to our level because you love us. And you've kept some things hidden from us, mysterious. You have 
opened up your word to us, but there's so much we haven't learned yet. So much we don't know yet. And there is that hunger. I pray for those listening right now. There's that hunger. I got to learn more. I want to learn more. I got to know the, the, the greater things of the Lord, but they have bypassed simple things like love. I remember, the, I remember now um, you, you told the Pharisees, you condemned them like they were really good at tithing and even down to the mint that they grew, you know, and they, that they were growing and the little leaves, but they left the weightier things like love and mercy. So let us be the fellowship family in our community that masters on the simple things. Build in us faithfulness and love and care and concern. Fill us afresh with your Holy Spirit. If we've overcomplicated things, Forgive us, Lord, and bring us back to that place. We were eyewitnesses. I am an eyewitness of your power. If it was just my life, I testify to it. I've seen it in my wife's life, and I've seen it in countless people in this precious church. I just didn't hear about it. I saw it with my own eyes. I'm watching it unfold. And so let, let us be those eyewitnesses of your power, your love, your goodness, your life, your death, your resurrection. And if you're here today, you've never given your life to Jesus, now is the time to turn away from your sin, right? I mentioned that. The gospel wants, God is ready to release you, ready to save you, ready to change you, ready to transform you, but not against your will. It's not just going to happen. You want to participate. You've got to come to that place where I have sinned against a holy and a righteous God, and I'm ready to follow him. So if that's you today, would you just stand to your feet? I want to pray with you. Maybe you're down in the overflow room or in the the distancing room down there. Hey, God sees you. He sees you right there where you are. He loves you. You're sitting in your home, you're in a car somewhere, like, or in this room. God is ready to receive you and forgive you, change you forever. You just got to come. Whosoever will, let him come, Jesus said. If you confess with your mouth the Lord Jesus and believe in your heart that God raised him from the dead, you will be saved. You'll be saved. Life will have purpose and meaning. You'll, you'll automatically start to see things you've never saw before. It's so good. Anyone here among us? Such a great opportunity for you. This is God's appointment right now. Well, for the sake of anyone that's afraid of standing or not with us in the, bill, in the room, I want to pray with you by faith. I know God's word goes out. It doesn't return empty. And when you hear of the life, the death, and the resurrection of Jesus, when you acknowledge, even if you don't acknowledge, like you, when you hear about sin, you have to make a decision. Maybe today is that day. So let me help you confess with the mouth. You could say, God... I admit that I've sinned against you. I admit that I need forgiveness. I admit that I've done things my own way. I admit that I have disobeyed you, my creator. And I'm asking you to forgive me by the blood of Jesus Christ. I want 
to experience the love that you say, that you've demonstrated. And I'm asking you to help me to turn and repent of my sins. And I want to follow you from this day forward. In Jesus' name, amen. Amen. We pray that you've been encouraged by this Bible study delivered live from the sanctuary of Calvary Aurora. For prayer or a copy of this study, call us at 877-30-GRACE. That's 877-304-7223. Or visit us online at calvaryaurora.org. Be blessed as you worship Jesus this week.